Warning, the Chaotic Culture Podcast is a program for mature audiences. The language and content presented in this podcast is of a mature nature that some audiences may not find suitable. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. Grab your loved ones and bring them closer Extra, extra, read the poster The KKP is taking over Sleeping on me, better smell the Folgers I've been raising sharp since the Motorola Off the O, like the cover Oprah Popping bottles, feet all in the sofa It's a celebration, though the times is hard It's raining blessings, give it up to God Chaotic culture, the greatest part We can't the pro, the one in charge But it's a celebration, times is hard It's raining blessings, give it up to God Chaotic culture, the greatest part We can't the pro, the one in charge We're living in a chaotic culture Living in a chaotic culture. We living in a chaotic culture. We living in a chaotic culture. Oh, we living in a chaotic culture. 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 Good morning, all, and welcome to another edition of the Chaotic Culture Podcast. This is your host, your boy, Ked the Pro, a.k.a. the Calculator Millennial, a.k.a. the Cutlass Diamond, a.k.a. don't be pushing on my buttons in my cutlass unless you cutting. If you joined us for last week's episode, I just want to say I can't thank you enough for tuning in. We definitely had an important conversation regarding cloud chasing. And why that is so dangerous to our society as a whole. It's one thing when you want to be a part of either a movement or some kind of fad or any kind of challenge. And you're doing it for fun. And your followers, whether it be on Twitter, on Instagram or TikTok, explode because you were just doing it naturally. And everyone gravitated to the way you did your challenge. It's another when you decide that you want to get a mass amount of followers by doing reckless and stupid behavior that could either get you in trouble or unfortunately could get you killed. And it's important that we talk to our generation about that, especially those who are Generation Z and young millennials, because it's out there on the Internet on a consistent basis where people decide to put their lives at risk just to build a following. I don't ever want to get caught doing that. I want to do it the natural way, at least from my perspective. In order for this platform to grow, I have to be certain that I can grow my followers naturally. I'm not going to sit here and do outlandish things just for attention because I don't know what those consequences could lead to. So with that being said, while you're on social media, please just be sure that you are not putting your life at risk in order to gain followers. Don't do it. It's not worth it. But anyway, I wanted to 
lead off this episode first by giving a shout out to Law and to Nasa. Now, neither of them are here with me right now. Uh, I'm not doing a solo episode per se. I do have an interview coming up later on in the episode, which I hope that you all will look forward to listening to that. But I definitely wanted to give a shout out to those two. Those two really have helped this platform get to where it needs to be and have continued to put in the work uh, along with myself to be sure that this program and this platform exceeds my expectations. And I, I can honestly say without those two, I don't know where this platform would be. So I'm grateful, I'm thankful that God has placed those two in my life. So, now that I got the formalities out the way, uh, since they're not here, of course, just be sure that you go follow Law on Twitter at Law96 underscore or on Instagram at L.JR underscore 96. Nasa is still taking a bit of a hiatus, but if you still want to go follow her pages, just be sure that you go to Instagram and Twitter at underscore call me Nasa. So with that in mind, today's episode is really going to focus about, or focus on rather, home ownership in the black community and why that is so crucial for us as African Americans in the United States of America. My guest is a Hamptonian, someone who I've known for 10 years now, excuse me, it's 2021, so I met her in 2011. I'll give more on how I met her um, throughout the interview, but I did want to present to you uh, Mariah Bellamy, who I affectionately still call Mimi. Now, Mariah has been involved in plenty of ventures, and one thing that I will say about Hamptonians, I have not seen a Hamptonian yet that has not strived to be greater or to do great things in whatever human endeavor they decide to participate in. There's a reason why they call the school the standard of excellence. And it's really proud, a proud moment for me and a proud moment to see that Hamptonians are out here doing great work, not only whether it's in the community or whether it's fame, whether it's just to promote themselves, whether it's to uplift the school, they're out here putting in real work. And Mariah is no exception. Born in the Carolinas, of course, she is currently in Las Vegas. And there are a few of ventures that she has pursued out there. The one thing that we will discuss, of course, is the venture of home ownership. Of course, she is a realtor out there. And with that, I wanted to point out a few things about why the conversation of home ownership is so important. It goes without saying that it's only a small number of African Americans who own their home. Matter of fact, Anywhere between 42.7% and 44% of African Americans in the United States own a home. 42.7 to 44%. That's an incredibly low number. It's, it's very alarming considering, but there's reason for that. Of course, we know 
that there is systemic racism within real estate and within the home ownership process. We also know that there are many young millennials and many who are in Generation Z who are, you know, graduating that have burdensome debt, me included. This is mainly in student loans. And so they feel as though because they have this burdensome debt that they have to take care of almost immediately, they are not able to invest in real estate or invest in owning a home because they're more focused on getting rid of that burdensome debt. And then there's a good bit of us that just don't know the process. We have no idea what our debt to income ratio is. We have no idea what our credit score looks like. We have no idea of how to start or where to start as far as investing in real estate and owning a home. So it's important that we get that information out there to you, our audience, and maybe to your family members if they're not listening to this. But if you gain something from this actual interview, go back to your family and friends and take that information to them so that way they can get started. We're going to have more than one episode on this. So do your part. We as a community have got to be better. Especially considering that she is in an area where less than 30% of African Americans own their home. And I'm speaking for the entire state of Nevada in general, not just her county that she works in. And that's really sad. And really troubling, especially considering that African-Americans maybe make up anywhere between 45 to 50 million people in the United States. Only 40 percent of the entire African-American community in the United States owns their home and then less than 30 in each state. That is really, really, really disturbing. But. We're going to find ways to overcome those systemic challenges as well as find ways to overcome that burdensome debt. This is what this platform is for. There's a lot of chaos within our culture in general. And then there are some things that are beyond our control. But we're going to find a solution one way or the other. So with that in mind, before I get to the interview, I just want to say that by the time you hear this, it will be the end of February. It'll be March. So I do hope that you enjoyed Black History Month. I hope that you learned something about our predecessors, and I hope you take that information with you from now until forever. If you didn't learn anything during this Black History Month, be sure that you go out of your way to learn something about one of your ancestors or one of your predecessors who made a difference, not only in your community, but just the entire African-American community at large. And we're not just talking about the main features like Martin Luther King Jr. or Malcolm X or Rosa Parks. Learn something new every day that you can. So, with that in mind, let's cut to the chase. Let's go ahead 
and get to the interview with Miss Mariah Bellamy. Don't move. We'll be right back. This message is brought to you by Already Paid. Already Paid is more than a brand. It's a lifestyle. Where else can you find the richest quality apparel for the lowest price? Shop with us at foreverap.com and join the Already Paid family or find our Black-owned business located at Stony Point Mall in Richmond, Virginia. You can also follow us at AP Styles, that's A-P-S-T-Y-L-S-S, on Instagram. Be you. Get paid. Forever. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, my next guest at this time, uh, I got to give a background story here. So I ended up meeting her in 2011, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, it was the second semester of her freshman year and the second semester of my sophomore year at Hampton University. Uh, I actually met her during Battle of the States, but we really didn't connect as friends until maybe about a month afterwards. Um, and then we've been you know, we, we would show up at the same events or sometimes she would come to the crib if we were having a kickback. Uh, and we really got to know each other really well. And I honestly consider her a, a good friend of mine. Uh, she joined the drum line for one year. Um, and then afterwards, of course, she focused on graduating as I was trying to get out of there myself. And, you know, the rest is history from there. Uh, she's been doing a lot and I definitely wanted to bring her on here because she is, uh, I think she can give a lot of insight into her trade. So I definitely wanted to bring her on here. Um, back then I called her Mimi, but I do want to formally introduce to you Mariah Bellamy. Say what's going on, Mariah, how you doing? Hey everybody, how you doing? Thank <laughs> you for that great introduction. Hey, not a problem, not a problem. So, <laughs> you know, go ahead, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Any, anything else that I haven't spoken of, of course, obviously. Okay, yeah, so again, my name is Mariah Bellamy. I am from Charlotte, North Carolina. Carolina's um, represent. <laughs> absolutely. My family, you know, they come actually from South Carolina, one half of the family. Hey. So definitely Carolina through and through. Um, I was actually a military brat, so we moved around a lot, but Carolina definitely is home-based for me. Um, let's see, backgrounds. I did graduate high school in Michigan. So I do have lots of friends um, from there, from Michigan, very cold, never going back again. Hey. Then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like you said, I, I definitely, you know, we met at Hampton. So I graduated from Hampton um, in 2014 with the finance degree. Um, word, word. 
I don't work in finance today. <laughs> it happens. Funny enough, it happens, right? <laughs> so I actually never intended on working in corporate America when I decided to pursue that degree in the first place. Mm. It was really a personal uh, endeavor for me. I was like, if I'm going to be paying for a degree, what degree will be the most fulfilling for me? Mm-hmm. Um, what will be challenging? What will guarantee me a position no matter what happens? Right. And that's kind of what where that led me. Originally, I wanted to be a doctor, funny enough. Um, and I don't practice medicine either. Mm. So, so, much, <laughs> so much has changed um, since then. So much has changed. So currently, fast forward to today, I am the director of operations at a brand new charter school in Las oh. Vegas, Nevada. Mm. Yes, uh, <laughs> lots. Of, there's a lot of you know reasons why we moved there, but that's what I do today. And I'm I'm also a realtor in the Valley, so kind of balancing two careers at the moment. Hey, that's still pretty amazing. <laughs> the fact that you're doing, you know, in real estate and you went and uh, was a part of a charter school or are part of a charter school, excuse me, I'm not using past tense here, but yeah, just the fact that you're doing both of these amazing things, that speaks a lot of volume, you know, to what you want out of life. And just for me personally, I'm like, wow, you are doing a whole lot um, <laughs> more, and you know, but even then when we, when we first met, I knew, I was like, she's, she's going to be taking on a lot of ventures and I like the way her mind works and I like where she's thinking. So I think that's why I believe we connected so well. Cause it's just like, okay, she knows where she wants to go. And if she, even if she doesn't, she's got backup plans and ways to, you know, be, be make sure that she's successful. Absolutely. Um, failure is not an option for me. Um, it's always been about my family and building generational wealth. I come from, you know, a lower income household, Mm. lower middle class. Um, We didn't always have everything growing up. We had what we needed. And I always wanted more for my family. So for me, every move that I make is strategic. And there's a reason behind them, reason behind me doing it. I don't believe in fruitless ventures. Uh, yeah, I definitely get that. And I definitely <laughs> understand that. Uh, trust me, I done ran into a couple of those here and there. It's like, yeah, this ain't gonna get money in my pocket immediately, or it's, it's really not gonna work. Let me no, nah, I'm gonna leave that alone. So, um, and, and you can attest to that, because unfortunately, you know, me and you both were looking at, unfortunately, um, pyramid schemes. And we're just like, yeah, <laughs> I see how this is going to turn out. Mm. But, mm, right, better done. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said, you know, we've both come a long way and I'm still excited that you have joined me today, you know, to talk about that journey. Uh, if I could just begin to ask, um, where did you get the idea to start a charter school? Like what motivated you into, you know, finding, finding that? Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. Um, so further background. Um, the number one reason why I did not become a doctor is because my senior year of high school is actually in a traumatic car accident. Mm-hmm. And I had a brain injury and had a lot of brain developmental issues um, and cognitive issues 
coming into Hampton. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't take any time off. So like that accident happened. I was in a coma. It was really tragic. I fractured my skull. It, it was a lot going on. I didn't actually finish my senior year of high school, but my neurologist said it's better for my recovery if I continue taking courses. So I proceeded with the plan, went to Hampton. Um, I was struggling with remembering things. School was very ch- challenging for me and that was never the case. I was a straight A student. I never really had to study. Mm-hmm. I just paid attention and focus and I could remember things. I took the notes. But when I Hampton, when I got there, I mean, it was really challenging for me to remember things. I was struggling with content, um, retention, understanding concepts. And so I was like, dang, if I can't remember what we talked about yesterday, I don't want to be anybody's doctor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had to it. think about, you know, what is my next step? Because I can't continue going on this path if it's not going to be successful for me. So then I started thinking about like, well, what it is that I like to do? Um, and all my volunteer work, surrounded children mm-hmm. and so I was like well hmm, like maybe let me look into that um I looked into teach for America I did a teach for America internship while I was there and I worked on the operation side okay. um and I kind of saw a little bit of in, ins and outs and looked a lot more into like what's going on in our education system here in America and being you know growing up as a black child in America there are lots of things that you're aware of and there are lots of things you're not aware of. Indeed. Your exposure is everything. And so I'm the oldest. I have lots of siblings. <laughs> and as I'm watching them matriculate through school, I was just kind of like, there are some things that are not right here. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like my brothers particularly who were going, growing up in school in Charlotte, um, they, they weren't receiving the best that they could receive. They were going to a good school but they weren't treated appropriately, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't receiving the best classes on their schedules. Um, their teachers were kind of um, coddling them or holding them back. For example, uh, my brother, in his senior year, he needed to take a second foreign language. You know, most people know you need two foreign languages to get into college. It's kind of like a standard requirement. Yep. His counselor told him, that he wasn't college bound and that um, he could take his second Spanish at a community college and they put him in library science. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, you know, all these things, you know, combining together, I'm like, well, what kind of world do I want my children to kind of grow up in? This world is not meant for us. Mm-hmm. And understanding that I believe truly in my heart that education in America is the number one social justice issue of today. Yes, it, 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 it kind of, you know, it just bleeds into everything else. And I started being very interested in working with, with schools. Now, mm-hmm. charter is very different than public schools. But in the back of my mind, I said, well, one day I'm going to open my own charter. Mm-hmm. I kind of just put it out there. Um, and so I started my education career in Charlotte. I was teaching at a Title I high school in Charlotte. I taught there for five years. Um, I was the department chair for math. I managed all of the math classrooms at that school um, for four of those five years that I was there. Okay. And I really enjoyed that. Um, I'm from Charlotte. I was very familiar with the school. It was, you know, it was rough, but I loved the kids. And that's what it was about for me. 
And so fast forward, if you, during that process, another um, fellow Hamptonian, one of my good friends, Beyonce Gaines, she had mentioned to me, she was like, hey, sis, I'm trying to open up a school in Baltimore because that's where she's from. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, you know, like, that's cool. Like, that's, I'm interested in that going on that same venture, like doing that for me later on in the future. At the moment, I was not ready. And mm-hmm. so what ended up happening, um, I knew of a program that kind of helps people organize and get prepared for opening up a charter school. And so I kind of introduced her to that program and kind of got her plugged in with that group of people. She applied, she got accepted into the fellowship and she started working on the school. From that point, she was like, sis, I got a job for you if you want to relocate. And I was like, mm, I don't know about that. Like, Vegas is not where I saw myself going mm-hmm. um, in my life. If you would have told me at any point in my life that I would be living in Las Vegas, I, I would not believe you. But um, the city of Las Vegas and the zip code specifically that we're in is the worst ranked um, zip code for student achievement in the state of Nevada. And Nevada mm-hmm. ranks 50 in the, in the country. So you could argue and say that the zip code that we're targeting is the worst zip code in the country. Wow. And that zip code is primarily black and brown children. And so like- Go figure. (laughs) So you can see, you know, how things are lining up and um, to to what my core values are, like what I'm passionate about and how I got there. So now I direct and run all the operations for the school. So anything- from hiring to buses to lunch program to teacher development, um, anything that makes the school run is kind of under my umbrella. Okay. Wow. Wow. That actually answered one of the other questions that I had because <laughs> I was gonna getting ready to ask you why Las Vegas. You know, because yep. that seems like from Charlotte to Las Vegas seems like such a big jump. So, but you 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 did excellent in answering that question before I can even get to it. So, um, that definitely helps me understand your journey and and why that came to be. Um, did you have any other um areas that you were thinking about maybe relocating to? Like once you've done with this venture, or is Las Vegas like where you're permanently at right now? No, no, no. So definitely don't see Las Vegas as a home. Okay. Uh, we kind of joke around. She's like, sis, you know, you're going to open up a, a secondary school. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm very family oriented. I'm very, mm-hmm. um, and my family is nowhere near Nevada. Right. Um, my family is in either the Carolinas or my mom's side. They're from Louisiana. They're from New Orleans. So it's kind of like, there's no one over here. Um, have one aunt in LA, but that's about it. It just is not the schools here are bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't. And if I'm thinking about my family and I'm thinking about you know the future, I know I have to be living in a space that's going to benefit them. And right. regardless of the school that I'm personally running, there has to be more options. Like I can't control every aspect of my future children's lives. Therefore, it's kind of like if I'm only controlling one one sector of grades what's going to be happening when they're not at the school when they're either above or below me and mm-hmm. I can't as I can't afford to make the, that type of decision you know based on my comfortability it has to be about them so I do not plan on staying there I got you. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna help me get this school off the ground and then we'll kind of see where things take me from there okay 
well, hey, sounds like you got a major plan going. Um, now, in regards to you, you know, being in education right now, I, I have to ask because this is an ongoing situation. You know, how has like or has COVID nineteen just been one of those major setbacks that you've had to deal with as of late? Absolutely. So we actually were supposed to open the doors for children and for teachers last school year. Mm -hmm. um, as everyone knows, COVID kind of emerged and, and came into fruition like all through the spring. So yep. like last spring, cities were shut down. Things were just, everything was very uncertain. It was a big question mark about like when things were going to start getting better, like what was happening. Um, so in May of last year, I, I, I just didn't feel comfortable. When I'm thinking about student safety, teacher safety, like liability, if I don't know what's about to happen, I can't risk putting your life on the line, putting mm -hmm. a child's life on the line because the conversation will be with me if a child were to lose their life because of COVID. That, that's the conversation that I have to have with the parent. Right. That's not what I was trying to have. I... <laughs> so um, one life is too many. And at that point, I was just like, maybe, Beyonce, maybe we should kind of put this on pause for a second. And so we kind of have a better understanding about what's happening with this virus and what the country's going to do, what the state's going to do. Um, so we put everything on pause. And now we're revamping up everything again to open up in August. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. And and honestly, I agree with you. Uh, even in my position, it's like, man, I don't want to put anybody in any kind of danger, it, mm -hmm. you know, just from in something as simple as running a car. Like I have to make sure that I take the extra step to be sure that everybody here is safe and that we're not exposing each other in, in any shape or form. So I'm glad that, you know, with you thinking of the children, um and and of course of yourself but mainly you know of the children like you don't want to have that conversation with a parent like yeah so um that, that that's not something that i i hope that you or, or other people would not have on their conscience as well um exactly yep so, so <laughs> good 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 so with that in mind now i i do understand that with you having to put everything on pause that you, you've brought up that you were into real estate. Um, did COVID-19, you know, help you make that transition into a real estate or was that something that you've always had in the back of your head? Um, a little bit of both. It, it's, um, I was always interested in real estate on the investor side, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily the realtor broker side. And so okay. previously I had d dabbled and investing and kind of looking into what I wanted that to look like for my family. Um, COVID just kind of brought a plethora of time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no longer working in a school, you know, from morning to afternoon. I, I just had so much more time on my hands. And I was mm -hmm. just like, wow, what am I going to do with all this time? Um, luckily, I just finished my master's degree. So I was done with school. Okay. Um, and I was like, what else? What is there now? Like I no longer was working in a school. <laughs> I no longer was in school myself. And I just right. was like, what can I do that it will be a good um, strategic move for me to utilize this time? Um, so I just kind of decided like, I'll go to real estate school. My best friend had just become a realtor in Charlotte. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Like I always wanted to kind of get involved, but you don't have to be an agent to be an investor. So right. that was never... Um, on my site to do, 
but I do see the benefits of doing it. Um, for me, it's, it's about education still. It's still about education. Right. Black communities, Black families, marginally, do not have a good home ownership representation. And a lot yeah. of it is due to the lack of information. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know what they can afford, don't know what they can do, don't know what they need to do. Right. And that's really the main barrier between them being renters for life and them being homeowners. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I think about, I care about children, Black children specifically, that are in low-income communities. It does me no good if I'm if I'm sitting here doing everything I can for this child, but not doing everything I can for that child's family because that child goes home and mm-hmm. they're now, you know, like I, I I have to be able to provide resources and understanding and information to the family because when you build with the family, you you ultimately change the community. You can't right. do anything if you're just dealing with the child. The child is a child. Yeah, yeah, you, you're <laughs> absolutely right. <laughs> you really try to make change you know you you have to really get out there you have to volunteer be a part of the community and see which ways that you can help um and so for me real estate was a good way to do that I can I can benefit from that personally but I'm also providing resources and, and information and guidance to people um who may not otherwise have it mm-hmm. so that's kind of what kind of drove me in that direction okay Hey, um, I, I appreciate the candor here because, as you said, man, it's it for you to be able to help both the children and their families. That is a, just a testament to your core values, and and honestly, you don't get enough of that just in the real world in general. I wish I ran into some people who were, you know, just as caring for the child as or as for the parents, excuse me, as they were for the child, uh, and that's. Uh, and I can really appreciate that. Um, one thing that I did want to ask, um, because specifically, as you said, that it, it's unfortunate that black home ownership is uh, it's it's the way that it is because there's not enough information out there, and black a lot of black families don't know what they can and can't do in regards mm-hmm. to owning a home. So, like, just so, what are some myths that you want to debunk about real estate home ownership or investing in real estate and home ownership? Um, I think a, the, a major myth is that you have to put 20% down mm-hmm. to buy a home. That's not true at all. Okay. Um, actually, for most, for most FHA loans, the minimum requirement is 3.5%. Mm. Um, See, even I and, didn't know that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and on top of that, you there are so many programs for down payment assistance a lot of times you don't have to put down much at all Mm -hmm. you can get support for that first-time homeowners definitely get a benefit there are a lot of incentives and and programs out there to assist in that regard Mm -hmm. um people also think that you need to have a 700 750 credit score also not sure I mean, you can get approved as low as 620. Um, okay. it, it, it just depends on what else you have going on. Do you have a lot of debt? Is your debt to income ratio below 36%? Like, what does that look like? What does your financial picture look like as a whole um, before you can like completely cut yourself out? In right. my mind, if you're paying $2,400 a month to rent somebody's house, you can purchase your own house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know there's people out here renting people's houses yeah and it's just like you know if you can do that think about that like you're the amount that you pay in rent is going to always be significantly higher than the amount you're going to pay for your mortgage hands down very true (laughs) (laughs) very true um i have to agree with you on that especially because i worked in car rentals and it's kind of the same thing i've seen people who've been in rental cars for over a year and i'm like you are paying twelve hundred dollars a month to stay in that rental car when you can go down to enterprise car sales and your monthly payment may be as low as well mine is like two two forty eight. So I'm like, your monthly payment can be even, probably even lower than that. And you sitting here renting a car for twelve hundred dollars a month. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, everything that you were saying makes absolutely perfect sense to me, especially with me just seeing this information about cars. And it's like, well, the only bad part about it is that I I, I deal with uh, depreciating vehicles. Thankfully enterprise what they do is they they usually just they're they're one to three year models so they've already made all of that money by renting the cars first in the first year so that way that um depreciation will offset so it's not like hitting the customer then and there but right that that um kind of brings me into the the next question uh just what are some tips you can provide to help someone who is black or a person of color like get started um, as far or if there's any resources that you recommend that they look at so that way they can get started in their um, home ownership journey. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, the first step is kind of just assessing where you are, mm-hmm. um, writing down all your monthly expenses, your income, kind of like getting and, and make it just as as granular as you can. Like you mm-hmm. went to Chick-fil-A today, you need to write that down on the list. Like okay. you Every expense that you're spending, it don't matter if it was two ninety nine at the gas station. I want you to write it down. Hey, because <laughs> three dollars adds up. You spend three dollars a day. It's thirty days in the month. You don't already spend ninety dollars on what? Mm-hmm. You don't even know. <laughs> so, <laughs> definitely, and people think I'm. I'd be playing about that. I'm like, no. Like, you really need to understand like what your expense profile looks like to see really where you are. What is your, how much debt do you have? Do you have tons of credit cards that, mm-hmm. you know, you're sitting on right now? Um, what does your student loans look like? <laughs> just, just lots of things. I think having, and a lot of people don't want to look at that stuff because like, they don't want to know, like, they're like, eh, I don't want to look at that. I'm right. kind of, they're, they're timid or afraid of what, what's, what they're going to see, but you're never going to get into a better position until you know what position you're in. Right. It, it, and it may be rough. Like it, you, your net worth may be negative. Most people within our like age bracket, under 30, 30, under 30 for sure. And then like low 30s, our net worth is not, it's not popping. It's negative. Yeah, trash right now. <laughs> Especially yeah. if you went to college and you have a degree and you have a student loans and like, it's not looking too good. Um, you but you can't right start now. working on that stuff until you know, mm-hmm. right? Like, um that would probably be my first first step and just becoming well-versed and like understanding how to work on your credit that's also an important thing okay what does your credit look like not relying on credit karma credit karma is not a reliable source to tell mm. you what your credit score is the only thing credit karma is good for is to recognize what accounts you have open right. it will tell you what accounts you have which is which is reliable but the score itself 
Lenders don't use that. They use my FICO. They use your okay. FICO score. So if you really want an accurate snapshot, you want to go to myfico.com or look that up and look at that score. And what's very disheartening is when people are like, my credit score is this. And they go, they check their FICO score and they're like, dang, it's like a hundred points off. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't rely on that. Um, don't rely on that. And just thinking long-term. If you're saying, you know, you want to buy a house this year, then maybe you shouldn't be at the car dealership buying a car this month. Like, like there, there are <laughs> things that you should look at long-term. Like, okay, think, take a moment. Do you plan on buying a house in the next year or so? If, if that's a yes, then you need to be more, more careful and more strategic about major purchases that you're making. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're financing, if you're opening new lines of credit, like stuff like that, like all this stuff matters. Um, and people just like, people are so quick in the, mo- in, in the moment. They're just doing stuff. They want stuff and they're not thinking, well, dang, I shouldn't have done that because I was trying to do this over here. Right. <laughs> um, I definitely, if you are considering, you know, purchasing a home, selling a home, definitely should get in contact with a realtor sooner than later even if you're not ready like at that moment a lot of times the realtor can kind of guide you in the right direction kind of mm-hmm. help you assess where you are so you don't feel like you're alone alone and doing everything um by like what you think you should be doing <laughs> it's yeah. much it's more efficient if you actually have someone that that can tell you exactly what you need to do um get with the lender a lender can always tell you exactly where your financial snapshot is. It is it's not a commitment. You talk to a lender, that doesn't mean that you have to sign a loan. Right. But they can definitely tell you, you know, what it is that you need to get rid of, what it is that you need to do to kind of build your situation and make your make you a better candidate for home ownership. Okay. Yeah. Hey, you, you just provided a lot of information. Um and even for me, even though what you're telling me, of course, is not new to me in certain aspects, there's a lot of info that I know a lot of our listeners will definitely appreciate. Um, I, I will say that I did not know that Credit Karma was uh, not a reliable source. So I would definitely take that one to heart. I mean, not that you <laughs> use Credit Karma anyway um, at my dealership, but <laughs> I, I now know like if I run into customers like that, I'm like, don't, don't, don't do that. Here's, this is what you need to do or let us look it up for you. Um, right. So, yeah, that uh, that I definitely appreciate that info on that. Um, there is one question that I definitely want to uh, pinpoint really quickly, uh, mm-hmm. and it has to deal with something that, of course, I read online. Um, it was just in the news recently. Um, I don't know if you had heard the story of the Austin family in San Francisco. No, I'm not familiar. What- Got it. Okay. So. Black family, their their last name is Austin. Obviously, they had just uh, purchased a home in San Francisco, and unfortunately, San Francisco was one of those areas where only about maybe thirty one percent of Black people own their homes. So they, of course, they had to fight and fight and fight, and they finally were able to get it. So what they did was it was an old nineteen sixties home, but they put a lot of renovations into it, and they built it up. To where it was like it, it really looked like it, an entirely different house so they 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 went and got it appraised and when they saw the appraisal number of course the person who did it was an elderly white woman uh they the number that they saw 
was about $989,000 for that home. And to them, they felt like they were lowballed. So what they did was they got one of the white friends uh, to pose in front of the house after they were able to get a uh, schedule another appraisal. So of course the white friend ended up playing the wife and whatnot as she was taking pictures with the house and everything and whatnot. And that appraisal shot up almost $500,000. So of course the family was outraged and rightfully so. Um, so I think what I wanted to ask you in particular is just what are some ways uh, that we can help eliminate systemic racism in home ownership? And do you think that this kind of systemic racism, it not only prevents, but also discourages home ownership for people of color? Yeah, um, that is a great point. I, I kind of just looked up um, that article you were talking about and I'm not shocked. Mm -hmm. um the median i can't i think it's the median home price um in san francisco is a million dollars yeah Eesh. so <laughs> it, it, it's one of the most expensive cities to live in mm -hmm. um in the country and so it, it doesn't surprise me about the huge number variance now and in the fact that the couple was black I, I support black owned period. Yes. Like <laughs> sometimes we don't be doing right, but I'm always going to look for us first. Mm -hmm. Like and if you're, if you're, if you're black and you're a person of color, I would advise finding a realtor that is also a person of color in your area because they're going to have your best interest. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, they're they're gonna fight for you. They're gonna go to bat for you. They're not gonna let people do things to you that are not in your best interest. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like in most cases, the lender provides the appraiser. So if you have a good realtor who has um, preferred lenders, their preferred mm -hmm. lender is not gonna send you somebody that's gonna lowball you. Okay. Right. So like I have. I have preferred um, lenders for my clients. And, and if I want information or if, if they're working with my preferred lender, I always know that they're good. Mm -hmm. And they're going to send the person, they're going to send someone that they find reputable that they believe is going to give them the best for what they have going on. Right. And that's just the benefit of working with the realtor in general, because you kind of have like a team that's supporting you versus just yourself versus you going out there. If you call the bank, if you don't have a good relationship with your bank and you just sort of call any lender, they they don't know. They're just right. they're just gonna send anybody out there and they're looking at you like, oh, this is you know, you know, the bias, the judgment, the all the things that are not in our control. We cannot control the systemic racism. Right. That's not what we control. Well, what we can do is have tools and resources to kind of navigate that racism. Mm -hmm. Hey, um, I like that. Uh, and that's part of what this platform is, of course. Um, and, and that's the, one of the reasons why I gave it the name Chaotic Culture is because, well, not only in regards to millennials and Generation Z, but especially those of us who are who have melanin and we have to find a way to navigate the things in our uh, actual generation, you know, that could help 
you know, either be a benefit to us or even a detriment to us. And that's mm-hmm. why the topics can range. And this was something that I definitely wanted to be sure that I had um, someone who is as knowledgeable as you on here to talk about, because when it comes to home ownership, again, in America, 42.7% of Black Americans own their home out of, you know, I guess compared to our white counterparts, which is like closer to what, 70 or a little bit over. And, and, and even just with speaking with you, knowing that, um, that you're into, uh, that you are a realtor, I have to ask, um, as far as you doing your business, is it strictly within Nevada that you are, um, you know, doing home ownership in or real, or actually doing your, your realtor? Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) funny, um, Realtors cannot practice in multiple states unless they are licensed in multiple states. So that means you have to um, take the test in each state in which that you want to practice and Mm -hmm. you have to have a license in that particular state. Um, In Nevada, Nevada is real extra. They want you to have a state license and a city license (laughs) to practice Mm. here. Um, So at, at this time, you know, I can only represent you as your realtor here in Nevada um but I can always refer like if you're if you're saying like you want to work with me but you live in California well then mm-hmm. I'll just reach out to someone that I know in in California LA wherever you are and then I'll just kind of refer you that that way gotcha um that's usually how that works okay all right, because I definitely wanted to be sure that I asked that question. Is like, can you only do business in Nevada or can you do business somewhere else? Which, not you know, that's information that I could use because, especially if, if we're talking about me, who is very rapidly approaching thirty, and I want to look <laughs> into you know owning a home in in the near future, when I wanted to be sure that I talked to somebody who was knowledgeable as you. So I definitely appreciate you from yeah from my from my standpoint. So. With that, I did want to ask, how can people reach out to you uh, in regards to getting more information or even if they want to do business with you in the state of Nevada? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, my realtor Instagram is at sold by bell. Mm-hmm. Um, my website is soldbybell.org. Okay. Um, my, you can also, you know, you can reach out to me. My phone number is literally everywhere all over the internet <laughs> which is <laughs> 702-285-2260 okay definitely you can reach out on my page you know I post tips every week um about growing what your wealth and like financial tips and things like that um now that we're about to kind of get into the home buying season I'm about to start doing bi-weekly kind of video interfaces with people about the home buying process mm-hmm. um it's all about spreading information like information shouldn't cost you anything and so for me the more knowledgeable you are the better off you will be so okay. i'm always providing information and resources and tips like that so if you just kind of keep up with me you'll, you'll end up <laughs> probably learning more than what you did before um, I don't mind sharing information and I don't mind giving, um, I'm also, I'm not a financial advisor. I got to make sure that I say that yeah, I am not okay. a financial advisor. <laughs> I cannot give you financial advice. I can just tell you what I know. And then you can make your financial decisions on your own. 
Like, where, where, where? Hey, it's it's important <laughs> that you put that out there. Um, to my okay. audience, I have an episode on that. It's actually one of her um sorority sisters. So yeah, go check that episode out. That's with Tremaine Wills. Um, but oh uh, yeah, <laughs> Tremaine. So funny you mentioned that. Yep. So I am a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So thank hey. you for the shout out. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, not not um, a problem. I'm also do, I also do other work too. Like I'm also. <laughs> you know i i am a member of delta i'm also a member of junior league i i do think that being involved is very important no matter what lens that is mm-hmm. um you can't you can't break barriers you can't break chains unless you're willing to be uncomfortable yourself and you're really like you're willing to kind of get in and get dirty and kind of be present you know that that's important Right, right, right. So, um, yeah, once again, definitely shout out to Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Um, y'all definitely have a, 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 a sister in the truest sense. Uh, I, I have to put that out there. Even if you were trying to get on and I had known, you know, I would have been like, man, let me write her a recommendation letter if I can. I know that, that we each have our own processes and whatnot, but I would have like, if you would ask me about anything or if you needed a recommendation for anything and I could provide it, I'm like, you, you just tell me when and where. <laughs> so that's how, that's how much I value our friendship. <laughs> so. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, yeah. I, I do, I do. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So. I do want to also say, um, I want to plug out there just for your listeners who's listening. If you are a educator, a teacher, any sort, if you work in the medical field, nurse, doctor, you know, you were EMT, whatever, medical field, police officer, firefighter, um, military. If you have any experience in any of those, you can actually receive a cash benefit for buying, selling, or refinancing a home. Mm. And so there's a program called Homes for Heroes that writes checks for people in those five areas at the end of closing. So if you bought a home, you get a check. If you sold a home, you get a check. Hey. If you finance your home, you get a check. Like, like it doesn't really matter. It's kind of like our way. I am an affiliate myself, so it's kind of our way of giving back. Like yet again, here I am giving giving back um, right. to people who are serving our community in ways you know that others are not. So, hey, we definitely appreciate that for uh, the plug. There are there any other plugs or any other shout outs that you want to give before we uh, conclude the interview? No. No, I think I'm good. <laughs> okay. Hey, well, we definitely uh, we definitely appreciate you coming on here and providing the information that you did um, in regards to home ownership and just even a little bit about yourself. Um, again, not only for this platform in general uh, uh, about putting on those who are, you know, Black millennials, Generation Z, uh, but also I, I have, as you can see, like I have a big heart for Hamptonians because... Hampton really shaped who I am today, you know, I, and sometimes I love saying that. And sometimes I'm just like, dang, man, that's the Hamptonian to me. Dang it. Like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, I, I definitely am appreciative of the friends and family that I have there. So I'm just so glad that you were able to come on here and provide the knowledge that you did. Um, I'm pretty sure my listeners will appreciate that as well. Um, I, I'll plug your information, of course, again, at the end of the interview, once we conclude this portion. So that way they can know how to reach you. And, you know, especially if they have any questions, comments or concerns. Uh, but I'm definitely going to keep more in contact with you as well myself, you know, personally, uh, because it's, it's been far too long since we had like an actual in-depth, in-depth conversation, because it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I think it's been a while. I can't even count how many years it's been. I think the last time, like we really talked, talk, 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 we had, matter of fact, you had graduated. That's like the last like real, real conversation that we had. And then we just kind of, you know, things, things happen and life happens, but you know, life, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been so, busy. Right, 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 right. And, and, and busy for good reasons. So, uh, but I definitely appreciate you coming on here, Mimi. Um, it, it really ha has been a pleasure and a blessing having you here. I can't thank you enough. No problem. Ms. No, it's my pleasure. I'm always willing to help and support. Definitely, definitely. You know, let me know if you want to further this conversation or, or, or deepen the topic or whatever the case may be, and I'll try to fit it in. We definitely will. We definitely need to have uh, like a series uh, of episodes in regards to this because it's important that our people know about this. So um, we, we will have that conversation at a later point and we'll get stuff together in regards to the next episodes that we have on this subject. So to my audience members, uh, don't move. We're going to sign out. Stick around. All right, guys, that concludes today's episode of the Chaotic Culture Podcast. We once again want to thank Mariah Bellamy for coming in and sharing a bit of knowledge in regards to home ownership in the black community. So be sure that you go and follow her at Sold by Bell. That's all one word, Sold by Bell, on Instagram and on Twitter. You can also contact her through her phone number, which she, of course, gave out during the episode, or you can email her at Mariah Bellamy at soldbybell.org. Be sure that you continue to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Be sure that you share it with your family and friends. Go on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Go and like the Chaotic Culture Podcast page. Be sure that you also follow us on Instagram at Chaotic Culture Pod. And follow us on Twitter at Chaotic underscore Culture. If you have any suggestions, comments, concerns, any topics that you want to discuss, please feel free to reach out to us. We can use that, all the information and all the feedback that we can get. Also, if you're listening on Apple, please give us a five-star review. Or whatever platform that you're listening on, if there's an option for review, give it to us, please. We need them five stars. The more ratings we get, the bigger our audience can grow. Do it. Just do it. 
Make my dream come true. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, I appreciate you tuning in to the Chaotic Culture Podcast. Before I leave, I just wanted to leave you with this. I'm recording this as of February 28th. By the time you hear this, this will, of course, be into March. But since today is the last day of black history, I hope that you have gone and researched and read about some of the predecessors in our community that have fought for civil rights, that have gone on to create products, that have gone on to change the trajectory of American history as we know it. There are plenty of black innovators and creators that were out there that are just not known in our community. Too often times, we are just subject to looking at what Malcolm X did or what Martin Luther King Jr. did or what Rosa Parks did. We've got to do more. We've got to learn more. That's the only way that this community will strive. Standing on the shoulders of giants, learning from our ancestors and predecessors so that we can take that knowledge into the future. But that's all I got. Thank you once again for joining us at the Chaotic Culture Podcast. We'll probably see you in about a week or so. Remember, we drop every Tuesdays and every Wednesday, depending on which day I feel like. I mean, it is what it is. But anyway, thanks for joining us. Be blessed. Be safe. God is love. Deuces. in these streets so let's talk about it please let's hold some conversation you see where i'm coming from yes it's so amazing go on here get comfortable you can grab a seat take a load off your feet yeah welcome to the table we don't tell no lies over here this ain't no fable we just live our lives over here we ain't no angels we just shine our light over here we got the power uh, we just showing love over here Everybody needs some